Hi, how are you? You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Have you ever seen a child in the shopping centre and thought, that kid is really bad, badly behaved, he needs a bit of discipline? I mean, hopefully not if you're a parent. Hopefully you've got more empathy with other parents. But sometimes you come across kids that are just a bit more challenging than others. They make you feel that your children are well-behaved, even though you know they're not. And you probably look at the parents and go, oh my goodness, how do you deal with this? When a child is a bit more challenging than usual, it often takes a long time for parents to realize if this is related to something beyond just normal behavior. And if they're worried, that's when they go and see possibly a pediatrician, possibly a child psychologist, and try and work out what's going on so that they can then get some help. Dr. Caroline Mole is from the School of Psychology at Sydney University. She's also part of the Seedling Lab, which looks at um, development in children and what's happening. And she's done different studies on the kinds of things that children can come up against when it comes to challenges with their development. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? Hi. Good, thank you. We're talking about ODD today, um, as there are a lot of things that have acronyms that people don't understand. I think most people understand what ADHD means today, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe even SPD, sensory processing disorder. I don't know many people understand what ODD stands for. What is it? So ODD stands for Oppositional Defiant Disorder. And you're right, most people haven't heard of it, um, which is strange. It's uh, one of the most common reasons that parents seek help from child mental health services. Okay, so is it on the autism spectrum? No, not at all. Okay, so it's separate to that. Um, How does it manifest in a child? So it's, as you said, it's tricky, right? It's tricky to um, think about this diagnosis, if you like. And I think that's why there's some stigma surrounding this diagnosis. Um, so you would diagnose a child with ODD if for you know six months or more, they'd had a pattern of behaviour that could include things like um, being angry, moody, tantrumy. Um, it could also include that kind of defiant disobedience, so not doing what they're told, um, breaking rules, being kind of annoying to people on purpose. And it, <laughs> Sorry, I just was thinking my children are doing all of these things. <laughs> this is what's interesting, right? Yeah. It can include kind of spitefulness and vindictiveness as well. But what's hard about describing this is you, yeah, every single child at some point will do all of those things. Yes. All of those things, particularly at certain ages, you know, the kind of terrible twos or three in ages, whatever you, whenever it peaks for your child, you see those behaviours. So I think for a lot of people, they think, well, this shouldn't be a diagnosis. This is normal behaviour. What makes this different is when the behaviours are occurring more frequently, more severely than the children in their same developmental age range. And it's having an impact. So it can have a really um, negative impact on the relationship with the family, um, on the way they're engaging with school or with friends. That's when it becomes a problem. And would you also say that it's when um, they're doing it as much outside the home as inside? Because often children let their shit go, (laughs) to want of a better word, um, when they're with their family because they know they can get away with it. But the social norms come into play when they're outside the home. Would that be another sign? It can be both. So I think, um, you know, every now and again, they they change how you define this. And most recently, um, they've defined that mild ODD would be limited to one context. 
Um, moderate would be in, in two or more, so it does vary. But remember that the really important part of the diagnosis is that it's sustained pattern of behaviour for six months or more. So a lot of parents right now might be thinking, my child's just started school, they're exhausted, they come home and they're a nightmare. And that's, for a lot of children, exactly what you're talking about. And that's managing a you know a lot of stimulation and challenges during the day. They come home and they release. That's something different. Yeah, and it, you can pinpoint a reason. Exactly. Yeah. But if it's constant... Mm. Is this something that is happening in their brains? Do we know why children behave this way? We don't know the causes. Um, It's one of those things where there are lots of studies that have shown lots of different things seem to have an association. So there is a a biological or a genetic factor. Um, The personality of the child matters. So you can have a family with, say, three children, um, two of whom have no behaviour problems whatsoever. They've gone through school, no problems. One of them will have severe behavioural difficulties, as I've described. Um, so you can't really say that it's it's just the family environment or it's just the parenting, but these are all factors that do come into play. Yeah, I was going to ask that because um, we were having a conversation the other day about um, how we parent our kids when they're disappointed. Mm. And I said, I do everything I've been told by experts not to do you know like I I I try to let them sit with the sadness for as long as I can bear it and then Mm. I might try and give them something again so right failure um but what was interesting about the conversation is that we I was speaking to someone who had had a similar parenting technique Mm. but she was away on a holiday and was able to observe a family who did it differently and she said I noticed with these children that they they still had little tantrums when something went wrong, but they got over it quicker. Mm. Whereas in her family, it was more prolonged, which I can say definitely happens in ours. Um, so is it even possible to separate the way we parent to the way our children's behaviour develops um, in something like this when we're talking about, um, particularly when it's about not listening to instructions? Mm-hmm. It's... Is a kind of yes/no answer, in that you know every single parent parents differently, and there's a huge range of what is good parenting, what's okay. There's no such thing as a perfect parenting behaviour; it doesn't exist. Um, and so, when we talk about parenting as being a risk factor for ODD, there have been things that have been shown to be related. So, particularly harsh parenting, or not giving appropriate kind of boundaries, or guidelines as to what is, ex- is expected in behaviour. Things like that, um, abuse maltreatment at the severe end, they're also related. But it um, it's not that simple. I think people want it to be that simple. They want, they want to see a parent and basically judge them um, and say, your child's behaving like that because you're doing something wrong in the way you're parenting. And it's not that simple. It's always the parents' fault, though. <laughs> Most particularly the mother's fault. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> um How do you go about treating something that's so complex? Here's the really interesting thing. So two points to say. First of all, ODD as a diagnosis, it's what we call very comorbid. So you can have a child who just has ODD, these difficult um, antisocial-esque behaviours, but they can also be hand-in-hand with other things. So it can be with ADHD. There's a lot of similarity um, or overlap, if you like, between the two, and some children will have both diagnoses. Lots won't, but some will have both. Anxiety, there's a big overlap with anxiety. So sometimes these children are um, not just a simple case of 
it's one thing we need to look at. We need to look at other things as well. And that's why it's so important to get a proper diagnosis. So if you're worried about these behaviours in your child, don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to your mother-in-law. Go and get some actual genuine um, assessment. And that's from a you know, child clinical psychologist, from a paediatrician. That's what you want. And I wanted to um, mention at that point, when you say you go to see a child psychologist, I know some people feel like, especially with something like this, they'd be like, oh, I don't want to pathologize it. I don't want to put ideas in their head. But I have found with um, even the school counselor with my daughter that I was worried about separation anxiety. She was getting a bit, um, she has always been um, very anxious when I leave her at school and she's now new too. Mm. But when I recently spoke to her, I, I just noticed straight up, she was very straight to the point about how severe the problem was, which it wasn't severe at all, mm-hmm. and that she didn't want to make it more than it was, and she'd give little tips on how to move forward. So it's not like you're going to go to a, a developmental psychologist or a paediatrician and they're going to say, yes, you've got a big problem here, and now we were going to go off and do all these different studies. They're trained, right, mm-hmm. to recognize when it is a problem and when it might be something that you can manage on your own. Yeah, absolutely. And what's... um. What's so important in this area is to realise that the harshest critic are ourselves. As parents, I think we tend to go, I should be able to manage this on my own, particularly when it's just behaviour. You know, if your child isn't particularly anxious, if they're not particularly inattentive or hyperactive, and it's just difficult behaviours, we are our worst critics and we say, I should be able to do this. And having worked in this area for a very, very long time in the UK and in here, you know, in this country as well, when you go and seek help, the minute you pick up that phone, the minute you walk in the door, you have the respect of the person you're seeing. Because it takes a huge amount of courage to say, I can't manage my child's behavior. Can you please help me? Mm. And we respect that. You know, we, we, we see that. We know that. So your child may not be severe enough to reach a diagnosis. It doesn't matter. As you say, you know, there are treatment options we can go through. Um, some advice can be given or other resources. If your child does meet criteria, Um, for an ODD diagnosis, then the really good news is that this is one of the best um, effectively treated disorders um, across the whole of psychiatry and psychology. So it has about um, a 50%, 60% success rate, which sounds low, but compared to everything else, it's actually very high. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of children actually will get better on their own as well. Yeah. Um, They kind of grow out of it in a kind of developmental perspective. But early intervention is incredibly important for ODD. What does that intervention look like? Is it occupational therapy? No, not at all. So, well, um, if you look at the evidence, and there's a huge amount of research in this area, the evidence base says that the best thing you can do is something called parent management training. And it sounds very strange, parent (laughs) management training, or parent training, as people call it. Oh, no, I wish Um, I'd had parent training. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds really weird. And I think that's partly where the stigma comes from, is because it's the idea that, yeah, what what you're being trained to do is different ways to respond to your child, um, different ways to encourage the behaviours that you want and to avoid the behaviours that you don't want. And that is the parent's work. That's going to be done by them. Your child won't probably see um, the clinician much at all, depending on on the age of your child. So it's really changing what you are doing as a parent and it's really hard work. Um, And that, I think, makes it seem like that's where the problem comes from. But think about, so the aspirin analogy, right? If you have a headache... Um, and you take an aspirin, the aspirin gets rid of your headache. You don't have a headache because you're lacking an aspirin. So it's yep. the same thing with parenting. Yep. You, you change the way you what parent. Great analogy. It's a great analogy, I love right? It. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice one because it really makes it clear that yes, 
the way that you fix something isn't necessarily what the problem is in the first place. With a lot of behavioural problems with children or challenges, shall we say, um, particularly when, even though this isn't on the spectrum, particularly with the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. there are a number of different therapies that come out that people say help with different disorders. Um, I recently went to um, an equine farm stay and their son had ODD and they said he responded really well to equine psychotherapy or, well, you know, a counsellor with a, with a horse. My mm-hmm. sister's daughter has um, Asperger's and they've tried something with her, similar with an equine psychologist. <laughs> Sounds like you're going to talk to a, a horse <laughs> about how they're feeling. How are you feeling, Mr. Ed? You've been treated well today. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting approach, but then I'm also very aware that there's not a lot of evidence behind mm. these things. And when you're a parent, you often reach for things because mm. you just want to try everything to help your child. Have you seen any research or work with horses and animals with ODD and what do you think about it? Um, there's all, there are all sorts of different um, approaches and programs that are developed all the time. The difficulty is, is that from a scientific point of view, when we want to know how effective they are, they have to be tested in a scientific manner. So we have different levels of test, if you like. And the hard thing is that some of these these programs, um, the children might really enjoy, which is great. Um, individually, they might say, you know, I feel better. The parents might say they're behaving better. But we can't use that from a scientific perspective to say this is how effective it is. Now, sometimes it's just time. We haven't had the time to do enough studies on these things to show whether it works. But as a parent, you want to go with where the evidence says the effective solution is. And for ODD, it is parent management training, um, full stop. Even for something like ADHD, there are a huge number of different possible treatments available. And again, some of them are too new for us to really know whether they work or not. But for the age range up to six, for example, the recommended treatment for ADHD is actually the same as for ODD. So it's parent management training. At six, you may want to introduce uh, medication, but with, always with, and preceded by parent management training. And is there anything that you think parents should be wary of when it comes to the offerings that are out there in in terms of what will help your child? Is there anything that concerns you about those? I mean, you, as mm. you mentioned, um, it, it's kind of one of those situations where if your child is responding and you think it's great for them and you're enjoying, well, mm. what harm does it do? But are there any that particularly concern you? Um, yes. <laughs> in short, yes. What concerns me is that Parents, when they're struggling with a child's behaviour, for whatever reason, are very vulnerable. All they're looking for is something to make their child better. Um, and that puts them in a very vulnerable situation. And I, I get very cross when I you know, read stories or you know, articles or even websites claiming that they're going to make your child better, that they're going to do this, but there's no evidence for it. You, know, you hear people talking about this is an evidence-based treatment. And it's not. They don't even know what that phrase means. So the really important thing when you go to see your GP is ask to see someone who's fully qualified. So a clinical psychologist who's got experience in this area or a psychiatrist or your paediatrician. Go and see someone who's properly qualified and then ask them for the evidence base for what they're doing. They may not be able to give you the evidence straight away. Give them a week. I'd come back to you. They may not have it right there. Yeah. But it's you're right as a parent 
to see what that is and for them to show it to you. Don't just listen to someone who says it worked for my kid or we have amazing results with this study. Um, they shouldn't actually do that. Websites shouldn't say, you know, we, we do amazing things. Um, slightly, you know, verging on unethical, depending on which, which, which area they're in, um, if the research isn't there to show it. And also don't move away from it because it, it's about your work. I mean, I, I can't imagine any parent would, mm. you know, they just want to help their child. But mm. like you said, it takes a lot to change your behavior in the way you parent. And if that's the number one way to help your child, then you just have to knuckle down and do it, don't yeah, you? Yeah. And it's really hard. I mm. mean, you've got to realize that as well as it's, it's, Normally, it's like a six to 10 week program that you go through as a parent and your child will probably get worse at times because you're changing the way you're doing things. You're changing the way you're responding to your child and they often respond by behaving worse. Yes. Um, and it can take six months maybe to see the full kind of benefits of doing that. So it is really hard work and parents going through it need a lot of support um, and encouragement from the people around them to get through it as well. Now, at the beginning, you said that it, it's... Um quite common. Do we know how common ODD is? Um, it's about about 5% in Australia. So about one in every class is the easy way to think about it. And I bet if anyone thinks of their kids' primary school or or, or childcare even, they yeah. can think of someone who may, may fit the bill. Yeah. So interesting. I feel like I want to talk about OZD in adults, undiagnosed. <laughs> that would be an interesting conversation. But that's not why we were here today. Um, look, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us again, Carolyn. That's Dr. Caroline Moll. She's from the School of Psychology at Sydney University. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.